0: The following podcast is a Simpranto Media Production. She's a business mogul. Number one. And wellness expert. How can I help? And now Chantel Ray and her amazing guests are here to guide you on your wellness journey. Time to level up. Welcome to the Waste Away Podcast.
1: Hey guys. I'm so excited to introduce you to our next guest. And he is one of the founders of Divine elements and you've got a team of people with you that work with you is that right
0: we do yeah we've got well my my wife and myself uh, basically started this business over 10 years ago and we've got another doctor on staff and uh, about three support staff uh, helping to to run the show
1: awesome so tell us a little bit about your practice tell us about yourself and your your whole practice
0: yeah. So, I mean, our practice was really birthed um, because my wife and I, we love to travel. And so we were actually planning on working in a, a multidisciplinary detox center in Costa Rica after, after we graduated from naturopathic school. And uh, life has a funny way of steering you in the direction that it wants to go. And, and we ended up moving back to Vancouver where we did our naturopathic training and uh, opening up practice in our, in the, in the place or the area that, that I uh, lived in when I was going to school. And so our practice has evolved like like we all do, you know, over time. It's changed into many different areas. We started off doing just sort of basic naturopathic treatments and then moved into specializing in or expertise in uh, hormone replacement therapy and understanding things from, um, uh, you know, a longevity or anti-aging point of view, uh, also from a weight management point of view. And then, um, I don't know, over the last three to five years, we've been diving more into uh, detoxification and, and really ramping up the, the fasting protocols in our clinic and addictions and recovery. And we're just about to launch uh, what's called a longevity lab where we're bringing in hyperbaric therapy and red light and saunas and all these other supportive tools that are going to support people on their journey to, towards optimal health and longevity.
1: Now, <clears throat> I love on your website how Sonia is your wife's first name, mm-hmm. right? So like you have on there, like Dr. Sonia Jensen, she specializes in like women's hormone health, you know, cell health. And then you, you kind of have your specialties of like heavy metal detox and you kind of each have your own little specialties between you two.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely.
1: Well, let's talk about fasting and let's talk about people that you see who maybe have tried fasting and they're now in a lull. So they might say... You know, and we see this a lot. We get questions all the time where people will quickly lose 20 or 30 pounds like that. And they're like, oh my gosh, this is the greatest thing ever. But now they've got 20 more pounds to lose and they, they are doing the fasting, but that's not enough. So mm-hmm. what what are you seeing of some of the issues that are going on there?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, there's so many different layers to it and we're all so unique in our individual chemical pathways or genetics or our environmental stimuli or our stressors uh, our microbiome i mean there's a lot of different factors that, that influence us as individuals and uh at the same time i mean we're we're just we're a result of our behaviors and our belief systems about ourselves right and often with when people hit a plateau it's often are, are you actually doing it properly you know i mean one of the tools that we teach people is if you're not getting more objective in your journey with fasting, like looking at your numbers, finding what level of ketone you're at or what your blood sugar is at. I mean, with all our clients, we run them through a series of blood tests to find out where they hormonally stunted. Maybe they're running insulin dominance, though the first 20 pounds is pretty easy. And, um, you know, finding where someone's stuck is really, is, is, is our job as, as physicians to help people find their way through. So, because, you know, the normal, the normalcy of a lot of this stuff that we all try, it could be any diet, it could be any new exercise regimen. We sort of, we get to a point where we go, I think I've learned all I can and on my own. And now this isn't working anymore. So I'm going to do something else. Mm-hmm. Instead, we have a chance or an opportunity to go, you know, I'm going to dive a little deeper. I'm going to look for mentorship. I'm going to look for a doctor that knows this. I'm going to look for a coach. I'm going to listen to some more podcasts, especially ones on fasting like Chantal Ray's, you know, whatever it may be that we need to just dive a little bit deeper because there's something moving uh, preventing you from moving forwards.
1: Oh my gosh, I love that so much because I have a part in my book and I call it shiny ball diet syndrome. And (laughs) it's true because what happens is people are like, oh, they're doing good, they're doing good. And then they get into a lull and then they go up now I'm going to try this crazy diet. Now I'm going to go on Jenny Craig. Now I'm going to go on Atkins. Now I'm going to do this. And then they just go from one thing to another. And so they just get kind of crazy because they're jumping into something else because they're in that lull.
0: Oh, totally. I mean, this is, this is the, you know, the modern phenomenon of us being, like you said, I love that. I love that analogy. (laughs) I mean, we're constantly looking for the next shiny object. I mean, it's so true. know we'd we'd forget just what develops us as human beings is just constant discipline i I mean i don't know who quoted this but you got to put 10,000 hours in to master any technique right and i take it back for people i I walk through people people walk this through with people in in what we call the four levels of learning and the first level is just this complete place of complete ignorance you know we call it's unconscious incompetent and then you move into the next level which is conscious incompetence, which is basically, I know something's wrong, but I have no idea what to do about it. And then then you move into conscious competence where you start to, I'm getting some momentum here. This is starting to make sense, Uh, but it requires willpower and focus and determination, discipline. And that's where we sort of fall back into our old behaviors. And like I said, if we're not changing our belief system or identity of who we see ourselves to be, it's really hard to keep the momentum going into the fourth level, which is unconscious incompetence, which is basically like, I don't, I just don't even consider that food, you know, put, enter McDonald's, Burger King, whatever you want um, into that line there and go, that's just not food. So of course it doesn't go in my body. Instead, people go, well, how do I bring my old, my old habits and behaviors in to work it into this new strategy? Well, that's where this has to be turned into a lifestyle change. As you know, you know, it's, it's not just about, Oh, let's do the next best diet. I don't consider intermittent fasting a diet. I, I literally look at it as a way to serve our cellular homeostasis we need autophagy and we need building you know and that's that's the dance that we all have to to implement to to sustain and acquire long long term health
1: Hey guys, I don't know about you, but if you are just feeling so tired throughout the day and just feeling restless at night, then I want you to try something called Energy Bits. Each package is has spirulina or chlorella algae. They're plant-based and they have zero sugar, 40 nutrients, five grams of protein. And so you are gonna feel great taking them. So go to energybits.com and then you'll get 20% off if you put the promo code, Chantel. That's C H A N T E L. Well, I love that you have an e fasting book on your website. Mm. Everyone needs to go and check that out. Give listeners a little hint of something that's in that free e book.
0: You know what? I think because what, what we're actually leading people through in that, that e book or, or opening people the ideas is uh, block fast. And so it goes beyond, you know, and again, you mentioned this begin, at the beginning, you know, what happens when people get to that level? where maybe they've hit a plateau. Well, you gotta, you gotta create more adaptability in the body. And so it's encouraging people to look at the data, look at the science, which I, I list a ton of great information in there just about this is safe, this is normal, and we're meant to go through longer periods of you know, uh, known stressors that we're applying on our own body that are gonna elicit a change. And, uh, so it's, it's science, it's really easily, easily, uh, digestible, easy to read, easy to implement. And if nothing else, it's going to stir and plant a seed in someone to think, you know, there's, there's something to this. I'm going to, I'm going to look a little bit deeper. And that's my hope with the book.
1: Now, what is the longest fast you've ever done? And do you have any tips or tricks to kind of make it easier to do an extended fast?
0: Well, it's funny because uh, every quarter we walk a group through uh, what's what we call the metabolic fix. And we just finished, uh, I just finished my five-day fast two days ago. Mm. And so once a quarter, I do a, a block fast of a varying length, five, five to 10 days. But my longest straight water fast was 10 days. My longest sort of modified what we call partial fast was 12 days. Um, and uh, so the strategies to move through is, Honestly, so much of this is in the preparation, you know, so everything you're teaching, leading people in through understanding the role of intermittent fasting and eventually checking their numbers and things like that. That's a segue into creating that metabolic flexibility to be able to tap into those, those fuel cells that have been sitting dormant in hibernation, waiting to be used. And then once you set up that structure within the body, the organization and stimulus into the mitochondria to rev up that cellular energy, now you're ready to. You know, dabble into some longer fasts. And maybe for, I mean, how we implement it is basically move people into 24-hour fast. And then from there, we go into a two or three-day fast and then up to a five-day. And, and the reality is, I mean, if people get to day three, because day two to three suck for the most part, they're, they're quite challenging for many people. Uh, the autophagy process that's doing all that cellular cleaning can sometimes come with its symptoms like headaches and could be palpitations, different things. As you're as you're shedding fat in your body, you're releasing toxicity. So there, there are some challenges, and uh, but once you get in day four and five, I mean the stream of consciousness that comes through the brain because you're you're getting all this new juice and seventy five percent of your energy um, when you're in a four or five day fast is coming from ketones and it's just surging into your brain. So the the illumination of you and your power, your internal power, you you have such gratitude for the gift of being alive in this human form to, to see what happens when we start being and stop doing. And so there's, there's many, many, many gifts in a block fast that, that, uh, that take your, you know, your lifestyle practice of, of intermittent fasting into a whole new, whole new, uh, area. So when
1: you're saying block fasting, what do you mean when you say that?
0: Yeah. So there, we have different ways of doing fasting. Uh, block fasting just means that we're going, we're actually, defining a timeline longer than, you know, the 16 or whatever has been popularized by, by a restricted meal window. So, the, because the reality is that, kind of the way I said before, intermittent fasting for me is just how we're supposed to be eating. I, I, according to like Dr. Jason Fung and some of the other experts in the field, this isn't really true fasting until you've gone past 36, 48 hours. And so because what's happening, the meta- metabolism is completely changing right? Then the first 24 to 36 hours, you're starting to break down some of the inflamed tissue, some of the proteins in the body and people go, oh no, I'm going to lose muscle. This is going to, I'm going to reduce my metabolism. I'm just going to gain all the weight back. And you know, they get in, it's fear mode. But what happens actually is as you start to break down some of that really problematic inflamed tissue, the, the, the microproteins, the scar tissue, the, you know, some of the microbes and other things interfering with their health, then you're starting to and then finally glucose is starting to drop a little bit more, ketones are trying to rise. And that's that transition zone that's so challenging for people. But eventually, your metabolism is actually increasing when you're fasting. This is what people don't understand. You're actually boosting your metabolism, you're raising levels of epinephrine to release and cause more glucose to be released when needed. But essentially, growth hormones rising, which is allowing for a fat metabolism state. When we're stuck in insulin dominance from the you know constant. F- food flurry going into our mouths throughout the whole you know throughout day every day most of us unfortunately on that plan are stuck or will eventually be insulin resistant and pre-diabetic and you can't burn fat when you're pre-diabetic or insulin resistant it won't happen so this process maintains muscle mass burns fat so you can do this with straight water you can do this like a bone broth type fast you can do Uh, Walter Longo popularized uh, the fasting mimicking diet which is you know five days a month uh, whatever frequency someone may want to do where you eat uh, around 800 calories of 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 vegetarian only meals um, which works fantastic Uh, and then the partial fast which we sort of use a lot in our clinic as well which is utilizing the tool of intermittent fasting you know having essentially one meal a day vegetarian and it's going to be closer to about 500 calories maybe in between 500 and 800 calories and that's for five days in a row and lots of different strategies and so someone's first fast you might want to lean in with a partial fast or fasting mimicking diet or bone broth or you know or that version before going to a true water fast
1: I love that because there are people who need that transition. And I love the term partial fasting. So give someone an example of what they would eat on that partial fasting. So you're saying you want it to be vegan. Like, have you done a partial fast yourself? And what would, what would you have eaten?
0: Yeah. Oh, you bet. I mean, last was it last year I did a challenge on myself every month. I was going to do some version of a fast. And so I did water fasting, I did Ayurvedic fasting, I did bone broth fasting, I did, you name it. So yeah, I've done, I've done, I think I've done it all. I'm sure there's can lots you, can more you there. Can you talk
1: about the different ones you've done? Cause that would be yeah, great.
0: Sure. So, I mean, water fasting, I like the most because I'm getting, you're getting the most photophagy. You get the most brain clarity, your ketones rise the most. You're getting so much cellular repair in a water fast. Um, and, and so for me, that's, that's my favorite. It's not my favorite on day two to three. That's where I get a little more challenged, a little more lethargic when, when that energy diversion is starting to change. But, um, yeah. To be honest, I don't really like bone broth fasting because I get hungry. Uh, mm. Water fasting literally turns off those switches. Um, partial fasting is great. And to be honest, I mean, I partial fast, you know, at least three, four days in my week because I'm, I'm just eating once a day, you know, three, four days a week when I'm at work. I don't I don't eat during the day. I'll just eat when I get home with my family. Um, so I, I love partial fasting because it's, it's so easy. And my wife, Sonia, when she does it, her numbers in, in a partial fast are almost similar to mine when I do a water fast. So there's some people that just have that, or maybe it's a genetic switch. I know women are more efficient typically at uh, raising ketone levels. I mean, every every woman in our metabolic fix group that we, that we teach, I mean, their numbers are like way better than mine on you know their day two and three and it takes me like five days and of of a water fast to match their like day two or three of a partial fast so and i and there's some evidence to show that for women the reason that is because women are capable of feeding another body and so you've had to be able to tap into your reserves a lot more effectively to to feed a baby um so maybe that's part of it. I don't, I don't know.
1: Hey, guys, I have a free smoothie book that has over 20 recipes that are super unique, like Broccoli Bonanza, Great Green Smoothie, and Mojito Madness, and so much more. They are really amazing, and you're going to love them. And the best part is it's totally free. So go to ChantelRayWay.com slash free recipe, and you'll get the book and tons of other free recipes. Or just look in the show notes and click there. I feel like, I personally feel like guys have it easier. I've <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I have an easier time. It's funny because I have done so many. I really don't even know anyone who's done more fasting than I have. Mm-hmm. I've done so many different fasts, two-day fast, three-day fast, a five-day fast, um, tw- I do 24-hour fast all the time. Um, but the thing is, is that there are days, what, what I have finally learned, and it's taken me a while, is where I am on my menstrual cycle. Oh, so yeah. I just literally tried to do a 48-hour a fast because I was like talking to a friend. I was like, let's do a 48-hour fast. And I did it at a time where it was like right around my period. And I already know better than that. I didn't even make it. So for me not to make a 48-hour fast, someone who does fasting all the time, I was just like, I was in such a bad mood, I was getting grumpy and I was like yelling at everyone. I'm like, that's it, I'm eating.
0: Oh, I love it. So
1: so for me, what I've learned is if I'm gonna do that fast, I have to do it on, if day one is my period, I'm gonna do it somewhere between day 15 and day 21 Mm. are my best chance of me doing any kind of longer fast. I can do a 24 hour fast any time of the month, that's no problem. But once I go over 24 hours, I need to be very conscious of what time of the month it is for me. So that's where I feel like you guys have it a lot oh, easier.
0: Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's my wife. You should have her on the podcast. So she, yeah, she dials in the, yeah. the the female aspect of fasting in such a beautiful way. But yeah, we we tell our patients don't fast a week before your period unless you want you know unless you want your husband to run away from you because it's, it's not a good place. And so is just like you, she's experimented, experimented with that as well. And it, it's, it's not fun being around her. <laughs> so yeah, you, you, you have definitely more um, of a time restriction monthly uh, than men do. And I think, you know, to, 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 to your point from before men, have an easier time from, yeah, like a cyclical version uh, men also tend in general, not all men, but, men tend to in general have higher levels of uh, lean muscle mass and testosterone so they can they can burn through typically fat faster it's just that women tend to get higher ketones on average from what we've seen and so i think that's probably where there's a little bit of that difference in um, in gapping women just typically should have more fat on their body than than men and i think that's where there's some of the the maybe even the challenges with with weight loss or wasting away as you say (laughs)
1: so so okay so when you're doing your partial fast you're saying okay i'm gonna just eat one meal a day i'm gonna make sure it's like 800 calories or less and or is it 500 calories yeah
0: partial fast is closer to 500 yeah it's like it's like the most unsatisfying meal you could ever imagine right right? yeah so (laughs) so give me some examples give me some examples So basically, like I said, vegetarian only. Yeah. So vegan, essentially, as you said, you don't want any other, you don't want any proteins in. I mean, it turns out that I think anything over 20 grams of protein is going to kick you out of autophagy. So the easiest way to do that is just to do a vegan soup. Essentially, you could just, you know, broccoli, cauliflower, all the above ground veggies. We don't use any of the root vegetables in any of the, the meals. Typically during a partial fast, so it's just all the leafy greens, the like I said, the above ground veggies. Making soups are the easiest way to do it, but it could be a little stir fry. Um, It could be something like that, you know, you know, for five days. Um, So what are some of the dishes we made? I mean, and they're usually what we. I mean, there's different ways to do it. The, The fasting mimicking diet has sort of a strategy to sort of increase carbohydrates and then restrict them and then sort of bring them back in. But um, generally speaking, it's unsatisfying because you're not eating to full like you would say in an intermittent fasting schedule. You're really trying to be mindful of keeping around that 500 calorie intake so you can really dip, dive deeper into to autophagy and, and raise those ketones. So hopefully that gave yeah. you a bit of an idea, yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about some things, other issues that you're seeing. So let's say that you go to see someone, and let's say maybe they have a thyroid issue, because that, that is one thing that I hear from people a lot. So let's say they're taking thyroid meds. Okay, let's, let me back up for just a second, because that's a big question we get. Yeah. For people who are on thyroid meds, and now they're trying to do a longer fast, say a three-day fast or five-day fast, and now because they're taking those thyroid meds, they're not feeling good, so while they're in their fast, like maybe their thyroid is starting to work more, and so that thyroid medication that they were taking is not not right, yeah. the right dosage while they're fasting, you know.
0: Right. To be honest, I mean, we haven't seen too many difficulties with uh, dosage adjustments in in fasting, and it also depends on how they led into a fast. So I wouldn't take someone who's never done any fasting and put them into a block fast. Um, before they're they're metabolically ready as until we could see that their body is capable of utilizing ketones, that they could actually feel that they're starting to feel some of the positive benefits of, of intermittent fasting. So let's let's imagine someone's gone through that journey and is there and is is ready for that. You know, on the on the way there, we don't I'm just trying to think of like dosage adjustments. I mean, because we're usually monitoring blood work too. And so that's usually one of our best gauges. But here's here's an example when people are fasting, it's common, unfortunately, to sometimes feel like heart palpitations. And so it's hard to tell what's coming from the medication, what's coming from the fasting experience, um, from like say revving up your metabolism too aggressively. So uh, yeah, it's, it's so individual to be honest. So no, we don't do a lot of changing to the meds unless they're on ridiculously high levels of thyroid medication and they need to be toned down anyways. But like I said, I think most of that tapering would, would be done prior to an actual block fast.
1: So let's talk about some of the typical causes for heart palpitations. Mm-hmm. I've been seeing this more and more. We just had one of the guys who works at our company. He's like, I'm, I have to leave early. He's like, I'm going to urgent care. And we're like, why? He's like, I'm having massive heart palpitations and I don't know what it was. And I can't remember what his reason was. Maybe it was like low iron or, um, something I can't remember, but he came back and was like, I'm fine. It was, Mm -hmm. it was this or whatever. So, but I'm hearing more and more with people having heart, heart palpitations. So what would give us a list of what are some of those causes?
0: Yeah. I mean, one of the big ones is just epinephrine starts to rise when we're in a longer fast because it's trying to mobilize glucose for us because our ketones haven't risen yet. Or maybe we just, we're not realizing or recognizing our underlying you know, traumas or stressors and we're getting triggered in multitude of different ways and we're feeling overwhelmed. So anxiety is rising and they're, they're with it, that epinephrine surge. Um, so I think that's probably the, the most common. It should be the most common just based on basic physiology. And then the other one would could just be electrolyte deficiency, you know, as you're in this kind of relates back to your thyroid question, you know, when you're, when you're asking more of your body, because starvation, you know, or fasting, you know, however, way, whichever way you relate to it is, is a stress on the body, right? And so it's going to ask more of your thyroid, it's going to ask more of your adrenal glands, which means you're going to be utilizing a little bit more of the the minerals and things needed to for combustion in those organ and glandular systems. And, and so often it can be related to that. And sometimes, you know, when people are fasting, sometimes they're drinking a ton of water, not mineralizing. And so they're getting all this questionable water, you know, into their body, it's stripping the body of minerals. And, and so you're getting a double whammy with the fast state plus the, the, the questionable and higher than normal consumption of water. And, um, so I think those are probably the most common reasons. I mean, and then thirdly, I guess, would be, you know, as, as you're raising ketones, obviously, they're coming from somewhere, which means you're breaking down fat. And we all know that toxicity is stored in fat tissue. And so as you eat away at your fat tissue and use it for energy, you're going to start releasing toxicity into the body. And that's and again, that's just another version of stress. And so, yes, you know, that could be another trigger for epinephrine. It could be a trigger for your thyroid gland. It could be a trigger for something else that would, would lead to that. But and we've had people go through that without just consulting with us first. And we always say, you know, it's first of all, palpitations usually don't linger. They're, they're there for a period of time to help because your body's trying to get through this acute stress, and then it sort of clears. I'm curious, you've done a ton of fasting. You must have had some of those in your experiences as well.
1: Hey guys, I want you to know what I've been doing for my health that is absolutely transforming it. I'm taking massive amounts of vitamin C. Now, it's not just the regular vitamin C. This is 100% natural, and it only contains natural sources, whole foods like amla berry, camu camu berry, uh, cherry. So it's literally just ground up fruits and massive amounts and it delivers seven hundred and fifty percent of your daily recommended vitamin C. So I literally double it and I have just seen so many benefits. So go to chantelrayway.com slash vitamin C to get yours today. Yeah, I would say the one thing that I do is I I have I'm anemic so I ha- have low iron. Yeah. So I will there's some supplements that I take Um, I have some thyroid issues. So for me, like selenium helps, uh, iron helps. So, and just taking like, definitely I take a lot of like sea salt, like Himalayan pink sea salt. I'll just take it, put it on my hand and just literally lick it. Um, Or even if I'm doing a water fast, sometimes I'll take like a spoonful of like one spoonful of pickle juice. Yeah, I'll do one tablespoon of that. And I'm like, like a
0: <laughs> well, goes, any
1: tips uh, like that that you have for you yeah
0: you know one of my one of my go-tos was uh uh at nighttime because we i'm sonia and i always have a tea at nighttime that was that's our that's our like sort of dating ritual at nighttime when we put our kids to bed we have our tea and oh, that's nice chat with one another and so when i can't do that when i'm fasting I'll, I'll boil up some water and throw some salt in there it tastes like bone broth to me
1: mm. so that's
0: that's one of my little hacks i guess but uh i mean it's you you kind of brought up a, well you did you brought up a really important question especially if it's so relatable to you with with your own thyroid experience i mean some of the main reasons why people are anemic or um you know they have to add more selenium in their diet or the thyroids off to begin with is because of heavy metal toxicity or underlying infections that haven't been addressed right so you know, speaking of those types of individuals that have that underlying factor in relation to thyroid, getting into a fast can definitely be more challenging. It it can be kind of provoking for a little more symptoms and might require a little more handholding. And again, I think that just kind of goes back to a proper support system leading into a fast to try to find as many, what we call upstream variables that are interfering with someone's overall health. And, um, and before they, you know, go into deeper fasting and also don't want this to sound like it has to be a medical experiment for people to fast, because obviously it's built into our very DNA. And but this is kind of you know, part of the first conversation. What happens when people hit plateaus? Well, you got to dig a little bit deeper in your own health. You know, I, I tell pe- everyone to go with at least on your own and everyone listening. Please do this. Create a health timeline for yourself. So I know when I was a kid, I was like the kid who had the allergies, the eczema, I was allergic to different foods. I was, you know, had the asthma respirator and I had all that stuff when I was a kid. And uh, I mean, that none of that's a part of my story anymore, of course. But, you know, what what were your childhood uh, hospitalizations? Were you on the birth control pill? And if you're you're a woman, if you, you know, did you have metal fillings? Did you have root canals or other surgeries? Did your tonsils get removed? Like, what does your health history look like? for where you are today, because all those influences have affected you. I mean, where I grew up in in the Okanagan and up in sort of the border, the Washington border, uh, Washington-British Columbia border, tons of orchards in our area. And I remember running through our orchard fields and running behind the sprayers and like eating apples off the trees right after they have been sprayed. And, you know, we were, we were riddled with toxins in our body in the, in the, in the orchard environment that we lived in. And my parents had a concrete manufacturing plant, which I used to work at every summer and so many chemicals there that I was exposed to. And so part of my own healing story came from diving a little bit deeper Checking my heavy metal toxicity levels, checking my food sensitivities, looking at, you know, my hormone functions and looking at all these things because it, it told my health picture and where I needed to focus a little bit more, which, um, which is part of that deeper dive. I think we all need to go on.
1: Mm. Um, I know one thing that I was going to ask you, and I just remembered when you were talking about the partial fasting and you were saying have above ground veggies, mm. Explain that. So, what makes it different for you to have above ground veggies versus ones below ground? ground? Yeah,
0: yeah. Basically, I mean, you're just you're getting less of the starchy veg, which which could be a little bit more insulin provoking, and uh, and because we we want sort of it's sort of like you just want quick fuel, and then you want it out of your body. Versus like a a sustained fuel source that, you know, you can maybe tap into more or support more of those glycogen stores. We really want depleted glycogen stores as much as we can in a partial fast. And it's just sort of just to tickle you and give you something to look forward to every day. And that's how I look at it. Uh, Because I don't know about you on that, like that day one to day two, it's this, this lack of joy that sets in is, is so palpable. And but when you're doing a partial fast, you always have something to look forward to,
1: right? <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the metal fillings and the impact of your health. Have you have you seen anyone that has gotten the metal fillings extracted out of their teeth, and how their their life has been impacted with that?
0: Oh man, it's well, it's it's huge. I mean, and and everyone's again, everyone's different. We all have different detoxification pathways, microbiology, and whatnot. But I mean, let's take Let's, I would go back to the symptoms, first of all. People typically with metal fillings still in their mouth tend to have weight loss resistance. They tend to have brain fog, uh, energy dips, a little bit slower recovery, maybe slower wound healing, maybe uh, slower bowel movements, uh, insomnia, thyroid issues. I mean, so those are the typical types of neurotoxic complications from mercury. And eventually it can you know, lead to anxiety and, or depression or mental health uh, changes because it's just chronic state of brain inflammation um i mean i encourage people to 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 really research this i mean mercury off gases at room temperature so just imagine what's happening in your mouth at 98.6 fahrenheit for you guys down the states uh Mm -hmm. you know that just the heat exposure in the mouth then you have an acid environment because all the the enzymes that are in the mouth are they're causing this leaching some people have two different types of metals and so that creates this galvanic reaction, which, which is like this electrical current that's forcing even more metal out into your mouth. Mm. And then once it, you're in mercury vapor, it's, it's just perforating into all the tissues and the closest surrounding most important tissue is obviously your brain. And so anything downstream from the brain, hormonal, neurological pain responses, like I said, like that the, the mysterious fibromyalgia chronic fatigue syndrome. I mean, it's all connected to how is, how well is our brain functioning? Yeah. So yeah. So when you when you actually pull out root cause issues, what we call upstream issues, the the body can finally like stop attacking with its immune system in those areas. And so especially with like, I mean, thyroid TPO or thyroid antibody. And uh, levels go down significantly, like autoimmune markers drop considerably when those things are just gone because it 's just one less thing the, the immune system has to deal with so objectively and then subjectively, all those symptoms I spoke to they, they really start to to mobilize
1: mm. yeah. so do you have like any suggestions for like finding the right dentist? who can remove that? Cause do you, isn't it pretty important to find someone who kind of specializes in the removal of it?
0: Oh, it's, it's so important. I mean, I, I would encourage every, um, like if there's practitioners listening to this, make friends with a dentist that you can trust because they're your uh, Honestly, they're, they're our greatest ally. I mean, we, we have a close relationship with our local dentist for the, for these reasons. We want people to make sure that when they're getting an extraction, it's done in a safe environment so that, you know, they're not just, oh, you don't want those anymore? We'll just yank them out. No problem. Because a lot of the trouble is that once they're pulled, that's where, that's where you, you potentially could get a big exposure. So we have a very specific detox protocol for people when they're going in to see their dentist. And so that they follow that and then they come back and we do an IV treatment on them with high dose vitamin C to just try to deliver as much of whatever maybe came out in the, in the procedure to be eliminated from the body. So, but tips, you, you gotta, you be your own advocate. You gotta search, you gotta ask, you know, I would look, I would even encourage people to look online for, type in like proper mercury extraction video and you'll see them like they're fully, it's like hazmat suits with proper vacuums. And it's, it's really well taken care of. Uh, And so you, you gotta, you gotta research. Uh, I mean, I wish there was like this, chain of dentists all across North America that, you know, we could say that's the, that's those are the guys you got to go see, but it's just not like that. It all depends on yes. whatever you're in.
1: I don't know about you, but all my friends like to enjoy a nice glass of wine after a long, stressful day. But the problem is that all these wines have so many harmful chemicals like pesticides and way too much sugar. If you're going to drink wine, you should drink dry farm wines. Their wines are all natural and additive free, and they are tested for purity, sugar free and low alcohol so you can have the great taste of good wine without all those extra chemicals and as a special gift if you sign up with our link at chantelraywaycom wine you can get a bonus bottle of natural wine for just one penny so have that extra bottle of wine for one penny go to chantelraywaycom wine or just click the show notes and you'll see the link right there so this has been wonderful. And you guys are in Canada, Vancouver, correct? We're in
0: Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So now you can see patients anywhere. Yeah. Like yeah via Skype or via zoom
0: or. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we see a lot of patients from different, different areas in North America and, and beyond. Um, and yeah, we coach them on online just like we're, we're having a, a wonderful chat right now on zoom.
1: Now, do you do, are you big on like hair analysis testing? Do you do a lot of blood testing? So if someone wanted to come see you and they said, okay, let's do it via Zoom, yeah. what, what kind of testing do you kind of are a fan of?
0: Yeah, I, I, t- here's, my, here's my thing with hair testing. I think it's great. It's great as a, as a one-off status. What I always want to see though is I always we always want to see a urine test because we want to see before provoking a metal out of your body, and then what's happening once we used a provoking agent? That way we can see what's the body doing on its own, and what are some sort of ongoing regular exposures that we can see in that urine. And then the and then once you take the chelator and follow the protocol for collection, now we can see what's actually stuck deeper in the body that wants to come out. So there there there's value in all of them, and then you're, you're testing for different types of mercury when you're looking at hair versus urine, and um, there's value in it all. To be honest, I mean. It's just what we use from a protocol point of view. We would want to always see the before and after for a urine point of view, mm. and so yeah. And I mean, there's it's great. I mean, in the U.S., you guys have got it good because all of our clients uh, that are down in the U.S. I mean, we just you guys have access to a plethora of different labs through certain websites, so you can download requisitions, go to your local, you know, lab, I think it's called LabCorp for those blood draws. Uh, a lot of the the kits, as long as there's a practitioner authorizing recommendation for a certain, uh, like say urine test that's, that's easily shipped out to the patient. So a lot of this stuff, thankfully in this modern age, one of the, one of the benefits is that the, this telemedicine opportunity is quite palpable, right?
1: All right. I'll ask you one last question and then I'll let you go. So this is one of the things that I struggle with to this day. And even though, and that is constipation. So Mm -hmm. any tips that you have for our listeners and including me of what you would say that kind of really helps, like what do you see as some of the main causes when people come to you for constipation and what are some of your best fixes for it?
0: Yeah. So Uh, The first thing is definitely to look upstream. So we would want to look at, yeah, I mean, you mentioned thyroid, we got to look at thyroid is, you know, it's one thing to support thyroid, but it's another thing to, to actually get that thing working again. And so that's all coming from from the brain, it's the brain communication to the thyroid and when that connections happening that's usually not a problem so that's that would be step 1 look upstream what's interfering with just basic peristalsis and that's coming from a a communication stressor uh step 2 is to you definitely look at food sensitivities i want to find out what's causing inflammation in the gi tract which is which is causing you know changes to the microbiology uh that would be definitely step 2 uh looking from a nutritional point of view um, 3 would be you know, sometimes this is where sort of symptom management can be supportive. You know, look at uh, you know, increasing magnesium or some other tools like that. Maybe get some colonics um, and, and basically just support the typical mechanisms for elimination. And then this is where we like to add in other elimination support. So uh, we like to use infrared saunas or ion cleanse foot baths and things like that to create flow. Because when there's, when our roots of elimination are sort of clogged, but then we got to get at least get the other ones moving at the same time so that we, we can do that and the supportive stuff while we're looking upstream to find out how to get the communication system working again. And that works really well for, I'd say, well, I've, we don't really have problems with constipation after people do that kind of stuff.
1: Awesome. Well, I cannot wait to have your wife on. We'll have to have her Mm -hmm. back on and talk about hormones with us, but this has been amazing. Tell listeners where they can find you and where they can follow you.
0: Yeah. So we're uh, on all the social media. Our website is Um, divineelements.ca. Dr. Sonia and I have a, a YouTube channel called Doctors Nick and Sonia Jensen. Uh, we, every, every quarter we run a, a program called the metabolic fix, which you can find on our Facebook pages and Dr. Sonia and I are both on Instagram, of course, Dr. Nick Jensen and D or Dr. Nick Jensen and Dr. Sonia Jensen. So
1: awesome. Yeah.
0: Chantel, it, I got to say this to you. I mean, the fact that there's more people like you creating such a huge reach with such an important message, I'm so grateful for you because yeah. Would you agree that there's an urgency, like we need people to know this information, we need people to apply this information and the fact that you've created this platform. I mean, I'm honored to be able to speak with you on this. So Uh I I want to acknowledge you too. It's this is really important stuff that people are listening to.
1: Well, the pleasure has been all mine and you are just a wealth of knowledge. I just, I feel like I have an instant best friend.
0: (laughs) There you go. Reach out, reach out if you need anything. Let me know. Yes, so
1: great. And if you have a question that you want answered, go to questions at chantellerayway.com. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.